0: Hello, today is Thursday, March 18th, 2021, and this is Inspectacast, sponsored by Preferred Reports. Hello, welcome to a special edition of Inspectacast. The topic of this episode is pre-inspection research. So basically we're going to be answering the question of how much work on your own should you do on an inspection? Uh it's really important because if you the more work you can do on your own, and, and I'm not expecting, you know, where people would put a lot of time and, and effort into it, but just some minimal research before you go out and do an inspection can save you a lot of time on the inspection, can make your quality better, your accuracy better, and you're write up faster, and the overall experience for both you and the insured a lot better. I know you may say, well, you're already giving me all the information. You're giving me the name, address, contact, telephone number, the type of business it is. Uh, I'll know where it's located. Uh, so if I know what type of business it is and I know what the order form is and I know what the, the report forms are attached, then I should know what to ask. That's true, but not always true. Basically, I have a process that I follow before I even call the insured. One of the things that you have is your credibility. And there's going to be an assumption that if you're an inspector of something – like let's say an inspector of uh, dairy operations, that you're going to be good at agriculture, good at uh, at least knowing what cows are and what they do, and you'll know about the overall process that will be involved in a dairy farm. Not everybody has that experience. Unless you've done those inspections before, or unless you've worked in that industry, or were raised in that type of agricultural environment, you're not necessarily going to know exactly how a dairy farm works, but yet you're going to be expected to go out and get information to create actionable intelligence for the underwriters to decide whether or not to insure that dairy farm or if they insure it at what would be the proper price you know for the premium based on the risk that's there so that means that you have to be the expert and the insured is going to assume that if the insurance company sends somebody out to do an inspection of a dairy farm that you know what dairy farm operations are the minute you prove to them that you don't is when the interview will go south, you will not get enough information, um, could even spur a complaint or some other issue that will call the report into question by the underwriter and may end up, uh, you know, the underwriter may have to ha- send out another request to another company to go out and do it, or have the company that you're doing contracting with either send you back out, or which you really don't want to have happen, or even worse, send out another inspector that they're going to have to pay for, but yet they can only get the one fee. So when I look at Things like that. I'll get a case in, and I'll look to see, you know, obviously the usual stuff: location, phone number, things like that, and the type of business it is. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go online, take a look at their website. And when I do that website search, I'm going to look to see who the owners are. Uh, I might make some notes if they have hours of operation listed. Again, that'll be a quick note on the order sheet or uh, or on a notepad that's that's indexed to whatever the case number is. Um, with their phone number is listed, and all that sort of stuff that you can see. And then I'll look at my order ticket as well. I'll have that in front of me. And if that has the same contact name and number, or at least the same contact name, we're, we're probably doing good. If it has a, a totally different number, then that may be a problem that I'll have to check out. Another thing that I do while I, I'm doing that is I'll go onto the state website, for whatever state they're in, and pull up their... Incorporation documents, uh, or at least information that tells you when the company was started, and most of the time who the principals of the company were. I don't really get into all the other stuff that you could potentially get in there, but it will tell you what type of corporation they are—LLC or regular corporation, incorporated—and uh, it'll tell you whether or not they're officially active as a corporation or whether they have lost their their corporate status. Because usually, it's because they failed to file an annual report which is done every year. And depending on what state you're in, it's set on a physical date as opposed to just an automatic 12 months after you file the first articles in corporation. Like for instance, in Florida and, and, and as well as in Georgia, if you file on a certain day, you may have to actually file again a few days later and pay an extra fee because that's when your articles are due. If not, you can have your corporation suspended or you can end up losing it and not even realize it. So, uh, and then again, also, the corporation is important for liability purposes because if uh, a person is being insured as a corporation and it is in fact not a corporation, then they are nothing more than a sole proprietorship and that means liability falls on them personally uh, and it gets into all kinds of legal stuff if you say you're a corporation and if that's what's on the insurance papers and things like that and you're not. So those are good things to, to know and sometimes the, the insurers are not necessarily going to say that they're, you know, a corporation or not correctly, they may not even realize they lost it, or the person you're talking to may not be the attorney or whoever handles those things. So they just know that they're a corporation. They don't know that it's lapsed. So it's always good to get that information. I don't generally bring that up in an interview. I don't want to call somebody a liar or something like that, because that would also set the interview down the path of the wrong path you want to go. But it's still useful information. Um uh, how you report that? I would put it in. If I have part to put a narrative, I'll say that uh, company was incorporated in nineteen seventy two. However, corporate records check shows that it was delisted or that it was uh, had its corporation revoked uh, for lack of a uh, annual report in two thousand seventeen. So that tells the underwriter, hey, this company's not incorporated. It could also be sometimes that there's other explanations. Uh, companies may, for instance, start as a Delaware corporation and then switch it to a local. And there's all kinds of things that can happen. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily lying to you, but it is a bit bit of information that's useful for the underwriter. So as we're doing this web search, I'm going to look at the inspection address and also look at what the published address is on the website. As long as the addresses match up, probably not going to have a problem, but you'll be surprised how many times the address that's on the order ticket is actually the insured's home address and not the business address. And that's because the insured uses their home address as the address that they get all the mail from, the bills, that kind of stuff come to their house instead of their business because they don't necessarily want their manager or their employees getting important mails, bills, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's when I know that when I call up I can tell the insured, hey, I've got 123 Easy Street down. Uh, that looks like that's your residence address. What is the address of your business? Because I'm going to have to go to the business. We don't care about inspecting residences for a physical company that has a physical address. And they'll tell me, oh, well, that's over in a city three, you know, three cities over, or they may be in another state. Who knows? Uh, if that's the case, then you just take the information down. You, of course, can't schedule a report. You have to contact the manager and tell them this needs to be moved over to another inspector. Hopefully, they'll be nice enough to give you some money for finding that information out because it is valuable. But nonetheless, it's not an inspection that you're going to be able to run. And it's great to find that out because you'll be surprised how many reports come in where someone went to the house, did an interview at the house, took a picture of the house or whatever, house was not a dairy farm. In fact, it was a house well away from a dairy farm, but yet turned in the report only for us to have to either reject it back or if it somehow made it through review for the uh, carrier to come back and say, this was a dairy farm, not somebody's house in suburbia. Why did you do this? And that's because we did not confirm the address was actually the place of business for the dairy farm and not the farmer's house, which may not be the same depending on where he's living. So those are some important things that you can fix before you even ever make a first phone call and you you know what's going on. Now, I also look real quick when I do a Google search or whatever you care to use. There's all kinds of different browsers out there. Um, if there's any news about the company that's out. Uh, for instance, when I'm doing apartment complexes, you might see news about arrests, fires, burglaries, that kind of stuff that might be going on in the property. Depending on the type of insurance it is and what the lines of coverage is or whatever, I may make mention of that in my narrative if they give me a place to put that sort of information. If they don't, then they don't, and I don't necessarily pass it on. But it's important if you're covering general liability, for instance, on an apartment complex, that we know that there have been two shootings, one stabbing and some brutal assaults that occurred within the past three weeks on the property. Those are all events that may generate a liability claim. And that's something that the insurance uh, underwriter would want to know about. And it's not something necessarily that the insured's manager or the insured themselves would say, hey, by the way, I just had these five things happen on my property in the last three weeks. And I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about hiring private security or whatever. They're not going to admit that to anybody, uh, an insurance inspector or anybody else. They're not just going to admit that sort of problem because every business person knows that the more problems cost more money. So they're not going to generally uh, you know do that. Um, the next thing is, you know, for, for instance, for residential properties, if it's not just a business, if it's a residential thing, I'll, uh, go on Zillow and you can do that actually from like your preferred report site. That go to the bottom. There's a click that takes you to Zillow. Uh, generally on just about every piece of residential property there is, you will find a, uh, information on the house. Usually there's a picture of it, at least the front picture, even if it's not for sale at the moment. And if you scroll down, it'll give you some attributes of that property. Usually it's st- some type of square, f- square feet for an area. It'll be a number of stories, number of bathrooms, bedrooms, some other things that you may or may not need to know. But at least it gives you a good idea of what it looks like and where it is. And in some cases, it'll even have a diagram on there that you could attach to your report so that way you can reproduce the diagram fairly accurately, or at least you can confirm it while you're there because not every diagram on an assessor's office is inaccurate. Uh And then make it adjusted appropriately for what you find out. Uh, it's good to have that going into it. For commercial property, I will try to pull a property record off the uh, appraiser site because that'll tell me how many buildings might be involved. Uh, it may involve construction information and Even depending on the site that you're on, uh, like, for instance, New York City and Los Angeles both have excellent sites. They give you a lot of information in one place. I can look at building permits so I can find out when roofs were replaced, when HVAC might have been replaced, when electrical work was done. All that stuff can be found in the permits there. And the permits can really help when you're filling out your report because um, a lot of times we're getting new policies. So the people that may have just bought the building may not necessarily know the exact date of when the electrical work was upgraded. You know, you would hope you would have that come out in some type of inspection or when you're looking at the property to buy it. But you may have a real estate agent that took care of that for you, or you may have a property manager that took care of it for you. So you don't have the exact information. So you have no idea how old the stuff is. And instead of putting down on the report, insured had no idea, they just acquired the property several weeks ago or whatever, and they're still in the process of finding out, you can say according to the permit history, the electrical was upgraded on the property two years ago. And it was fully upgraded, including uh, upgrading to a 220 service or something like that, whatever would be in the permit. Same thing would be about the roof. Uh, what's great, too, is with permit data, sometimes it can give you some insight into the building construction and roof type, uh, particularly roof uh roof truss type if you don't know. If you weren't able to observe uh, and you weren't able to tell directly from just looking at the building, it might say that uh, you know we put a new membrane over the metal roof deck or a new membrane, whatever. So that that provides you some more information. And these are all things that generally you're not going to ask the insured a lot about anyway. Most insurers have no cl- idea what, what construction class their building is. They might be able to tell you it's wood frame or they might be able to tell you it's concrete block. But beyond that, you know, you're not going to necessarily get the right kind of information. Now, beyond permits and beyond what the building looks like and uh, incorporation history, there are some great things for restaurants and other places that you can find as well. Um, Whenever we go to restaurants, bars, things like that, one of the questions usually is, especially if there's liquor liability, is liquor license. And a lot of times they want capacity of the people that can go in there. Well, when I go to a restaurant bar, I'm going to, in advance, if possible, pull the liquor license. A lot of websites with liquor licenses also have uh, complaints on it. Uh, That way, uh, there's been any underage service, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, That's something that's important for liquor liability, and that's not something that's necessarily going to be disclosed by the insured when you're talking to them. Uh, The other thing is you'll have their license numbers, and you'll know what the license is issued into. Uh, And you also depending on the jurisdiction, you should be able to get a copy of the most recent restaurant inspection or health inspection that was done. Uh, some places require people to take those reports and pin them up on the door as a, as people go in. Not everybody does, uh, but they'll have them put the letter grade up, A, B, C, D, F, or whatever it is that they use. But the carrier is interested in what was wrong on that last inspection and what's been done to fix it. So if you're already armed with that inspection, you can go in and know that The last time an inspection was done by the health department, which may be two weeks ago, okay, that their dishwashing system was not working, that the sterilizer in the dishwashing system was broken, that they had glass above uh, ice cubes, all kinds of other fun stuff. And those are things that we're looking for in inspections too. So it tells us that one, there was a problem there already. So two, now we need to look to see if that problem has been fixed. And if it has, are they going to go back to anything that's going to cause any more problems or is it going to be good? And they may even have the new inspection by the time you get there. Uh, you may not see it online yet, saying that everything was fixed. Uh, in some cases, we have clients that do want you to download a copy of the last report and attach it to the, uh, to the packet. And you, you can do that uh, depending on what type of inventory management software the company that you are representing uses. With Preferred, uh, it's just as simple as uploading a PDF to the, to the file. Uh, and sometimes they'll ask for a copy of the liquor license. However, I, I can tell you that that's not always easy to do because the actual license is rarely online. Usually it's just a few lines of information. And depending on the area you're in, like I think Montana or some of the more rural states, you basically have to do a spreadsheet download and then just pick uh, your particular location. It's only done every year. It's not updated continuously. So it gets a little problematic there. The next place that you can find that always has information online for it, is daycares. And in our daycare inspections uh, for some of our clients, we require them to uh, go online and download a copy of the most recent inspection or get it from the insured. You may not always be able to get it from the insured. Even if you could, they'll tell you, I don't have it, especially if there's something bad with it. However, most departments of health, either at the state, county, or local level, if it's a big municipality, will have those records or at least a summary of the last inspections on-site stored in their system. And you can either just download the summary and attach that, or you'll get the actual full report that you can attach. And that gives you an idea whether they're understaffed, if they've had issues with complaints, because usually with daycares, you're going to have one of two reasons to get an inspection. One is a regular inspection that's done at, at licensing time or licensing renewal, or if the jurisdiction has the money and time and the personnel for it, they'll do some regular checkups, or there's a complaint filed. Uh, Most of the time you're going to see those annual inspections are there, but you get the most meat off of the ones that were filed for complaints. And I can tell you from reading a lot of these things over the years, a lot of the complaint ones are usually not even founded. They'll tell you what the complaint was, and then they'll go out there and say everything was fine. Uh, Other times it'll be a complaint. They'll go out there and they won't get them for what the complaint was about. But while they're there, they do a full inspection sometimes, and they'll find other things. Uh, it really depends on the jurisdiction. Some of them limit the visit that they make to just what the complaint was. Others will actually, you know, do a full reinspection just to make sure there's nothing else going on. Personally, if I were the municipality or whoever does the inspections, as long as I'm out there, why not take the extra 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever and just do a full reinspection just to make sure everything's going good? So now... If it's a drive-by commercial deal, and by drive-by commercial, it's one that's an exterior that all you're going to do is take some pictures of. You don't even have to make appointments. Um, it's always good to at least look on Google Earth and see if it's see what the building looks like so you know you're in the right place. Mistakes can happen. Not everything has an address on it, and a lot of those uh, drive-by commercials are done on vacant buildings and things, so you, you really should have an idea of what you're going out to Because it may not be that easy to find, and you do not want to have to take a trip somewhere. And in the process, you have one of these things to do. You go out, and you either take the wrong building, or you can't find the darn thing, and nobody can help you because the people that own it never saw it before anyway. It's an investment or whatever that they're going to be reselling, so they've never set foot on it. They just know it's taken care of. They have no idea what it looks like, and you end up having to go back with one case left open uh, on that run, and then you'll have to go back out to it again when you find out what it is. If you can't positively identify something you're going to, and if you can't map it properly, and I suggest mapping everything before you go out, there's all kinds of programs you can use that for, to route yourself, then do not proceed with that inspection until you can confirm where it is. Uh, if you're doing on a trip and you just can't get the information and you don't want to turn the report in, non-productive, I've gone before to a local police or fire station or whatever, or even a post office and say, hey, do you know where this is? And they'll say, oh yeah, that's that abandoned building out on the corner or that's whatever. And they'll point you to the right place because they know what it is. Uh, Police and fire both are usually highly aware of where the vacancies are in uh, their areas. And, of course, the post office is also going to know at least the addressing scheme of that street and stuff. Uh, The great thing is now, though, too, a lot of counties have online what's called a GIS. So if you look up Smith County, Missouri GIS, it'll take you to usually a page where you can access their geographic information system files, their maps. And if you put the address in, you should be able to pull it up on their parcel system or whatever. There should be a map where you can find it. If you still can't find it then, then uh the address is probably not a proper address. But the GIS is kind of like your all catch-all, get-all uh, approach, but not every county has an advanced GIS system that you can access. So the property assessor, property appraiser, tax collector is usually the first stop for me. Um, uh, the other thing is when you have places out in very rural areas that are not well mapped, Google has gotten a lot better. And I think all the mapping systems have really become more advanced over the years, but there are some things like in the North Georgia mountains where I used to inspect, uh, you had to pretty much go into either the County tourism office or whatever, and buy a County map that was updated every couple of years because, uh, there's no other maps that you have of it and you have to get that County map. And that's the only way you're going to find where you're going. Fortunately, since most places have converted over to 911, a lot of those maps now have, have files that can be obtained by the county itself, by the state or whatever and it can be put on GIS systems. But before 911 was really pushed in the rural areas, it did come down to a fire department map, a police department map or even a, some kind of county-level map that you could purchase or get from them so you could go find these inspections back then, if you bugged them enough, if you had to go in there a couple of times a week to look for something, sooner or later, somebody would give you a map or give you their phone number to call uh, to get information. Now, on a lot of these inspections, especially property for commercial, you're given what's called an SOV, a statement of values. A statement of values is basically a list of all the properties that are under that insurance policy. And usually you'll have that as part of an application packet or the binder that's given to you as an attachment. And it's going to have uh, some other attributes of the building. It might have the square feet. might have construction class and what it's used for and how old it is. Those are usually the four things that you're going to see. They're going to have location, number, building number. That's how these are identified. So if there's only one location, it'll be location, one, building, one, two, three, four, five, or whatever. What becomes difficult is trying to figure out which building slash you know, lo- location slash building is matched up to the one on the paperwork. Uh, I've done a lot of these where I go out and there's supposed to be seven buildings, but there's five. And that's because they got rid of two of the buildings or they sold it off or they're not carrying it on that policy because they're a special operation that's been switched onto another policy for whatever reason. But the insureds don't always know which building is which. Let's say there's a case of where three of the buildings have the same area. They're all 3,000 square feet. Well, they know that one of them is not insured of the three, and there's three of them in a row. Which one isn't the one on this statement of values? So you have to really try to get as much information as you can for the underwriter and explain to them how you decided what building it was as opposed to what's on the SOV. Because I have called up agents, I've talked to insureds, and I've even talked to underwriters, and they don't always understand or know what buildings those are at each location because whoever wrote it, it may have been copied from a policy from years ago. There's no particular idea of what's what. So if, if things are very identical to one another in processes and stuff, and they try to drop buildings off, it can become confusing. So you might also want to uh, grab a Google Earth overhead of that. So while you're walking around, you can say, okay, well, this building's A, this building's B, or this building's 1, this building's 2, and mark that on your report. Now, speaking of order attachments, and this is true for any company. Whenever you get your order, make sure if they are in, that they have a practice of putting attachments on that you look at those attachments because they may hold very important information for you about the operations uh, may give you some insight into what what they have on the property, and of course you 're going to know immediately what type of insurance they have because uh, not every property or everything that you visit is going to be written for the same reason. sometimes it may just be general liability a lot of times it's property and general liability or package. Okay. That's all together. So it's going to be all those things, but it could also be just property because depending on what the, the insured does or anything, they may find it cheaper to get their liability insurance somewhere else. And they got their property cheap with this other company that you're representing. So they came in, you know, and you've got the property part of it. This is also where you'll get the excuse from insureds or, or really the confused answer is I was just inspected by somebody from ABC insurance um, I don't know who you are, so I don't think you need to be coming out here. And then you have to contact the agent and everything, and usually find out it's because the agent went out shopping for insurance and wanted to get the best prices, so he placed the property with Rainco, and he placed the liability with Liability America or whatever, and both of them came out to inspect. You're representing Rainco for the property, Liability America was representing for liability, so there's two inspections. I've had cases where the insured will say, well, wait a second. I've already got a guy who says he wants an inspection too. You all need to talk to one another and just figure it out and both come out on the same day. Click. I have no idea who the other inspector is or the other inspections company. And the chance of them being able to have the same schedule as me as the same as the insured is highly unlikely. So that's, you know, another call to, to your, to the, to the manager at the company that you're working on behalf of or, to the underwriter or the agency, whatever the procedure is, to say, look, we've got to figure this out. Hopefully, the agent can coordinate it or the agent can uh, convince the insured that, yeah, both inspections are legitimate and they're really not working together. Uh, because rarely, um, unless you're lucky enough to be representing two companies that maybe just accidentally somehow you got both orders at the same time, great, great deal for you because now you're going to get paid twice on the same inspection. but. That's very rare. It happens. It's very rare. What is also likely to happen is once you get the property done, two weeks later, you get an order for the general liability. So, you know, then you get another another shot at it to go out and get the general liability information. I can tell you that uh, to close up for this, it's always a good practice to just make sure, even if you're out there for liability, to just put some notes down uh, on what the construction class is. And if you see any uh, you know, property issues or if you see any GL issues that you just mark it down. You may not report it, uh, but it's still useful to have in your file in the event that you end up having that requested or the the agent may come back uh, and end up booking the property insurance with the liability and again, you end up possibly getting the case. Uh, I know that I've called people before who have already been out once rather than try to assign it to another inspector, just ask them, hey, did you did you go out, you know what's going on here and can you get the, the liability part done and they can usually knock it out pretty quick. That's not to say you shouldn't go out to the property and take some pictures to go with that new report, but certainly you already have some information that would make the questioning, the interview process a lot simpler. Well, that in a nutshell is doing pre-survey research before you go out. Uh, I hope it doesn't sound like it's, it's a whole lot of work. It really isn't. Uh, I would just spend probably uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes at a time at most uh, doing some of this stuff uh, beforehand. Residential is just really easy. All you're interested in is some basic information and confirming where it's at. Uh, the, the commercial part, you're just making sure you've got the right contact information. And if it's a type of operation that you've never had before, That you have to look up. You can always look up the particulars online about dairy farming or dairy operations, and you can certainly can consult the AM Best loss control manual on something like dairy operations, and they'll give you a good six or seven page brief on what the operations are like, how it works, and what you should look for. Uh, I know that you have access to that through preferred reports. Other companies should also give you the same access to the AM Best Guide because it is Um, pardon the pun, but is a best guide for loss control work on a lot of exposures. Some of the newer, weirder ones they may not have written up, but for things like dairy farms, certainly, trucking businesses, bars, restaurants, all that kind of common stuff, uh, they'll have it for you. All right, if you ever have any questions on the type of inspections that you have or need further assistance, contact the company that you're representing for that particular inspection to their manager and have them help you out. Thanks a lot, and this has been another special edition of Inspectacast.